Hello, and welcome to Midweek in the Word podcast, brought to you by Faith Bible in Lincoln, Nebraska. Every week, we strive to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. Look for us every Wednesday where you stream your podcasts. Here's our host, Faith Bible's Adult Ministries pastor, Brad Myers. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. We want to provide a brief notice of what you'll see over the coming weeks here on the podcast. We're going to be breaking from our Bearing Witness series over the summer and into the fall in order to highlight some of our best past episodes. So as you're listening, you will notice there's a bit of a reference gap. We'll note things that don't quite line up with the timeline. But Lord willing, uh, we'll be back with new content in September. We hope you enjoy these episodes. Now that we're a couple weeks into the series, have covered the doctrine of Scripture and have covered the doctrine of the Trinity or begun covering the doctrine of the Trinity mm-hmm. as we'll continue that here just a little bit more on the podcast this week as we'll be addressing the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. Uh, but first, I'm just excited to announce that I have a new guest on the podcast with me today uh, that's going to be addressing that subject, Dean Delfoss from the pastor at Country Bible Church yeah. uh, from just outside of town. Dean, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me on, Brad. I, I appreciate so much your willingness to come in, and uh, listeners, you'll be listening to this, assuming this is the first time we've recorded this. I actually <laughs> am really appreciative of Dean's patience, because this is actually the third time we're recording this podcast, and so uh, I, I'm not sure what that means. We're going to be talking about God's sovereignty on the podcast this week, and uh, so that we're, we're getting a trial in whether or not we really believe what we say we believe, um, but definitely um, we have app- we've appreciated Dean's patience mm-hmm. here and uh, are thankful for your chance to come on here, um, but listeners, because you may not be familiar with Dean, I want to make sure he gets the chance to introduce himself, at least here briefly, uh, both himself and his church, yeah. uh, to you as our listeners. So, Dean, uh, what what is your one-minute testimony for our listeners? Yeah, well, the Lord saved me when I was a child, uh, like late childhood. Um, so I equate that somewhere in around neighborhood of 10, those transitional years into teenage years. Mm. Um, I suffered with a lot of doubt. Uh, about my salvation, not doubt about God or Christ's sufficiency or any of that, but yeah. just whether I did the things necessary on my part, which means prayed the prayer the right way mm. in order to be saved. Mm. So struggled with doubt a lot for that, and the Lord, uh, through many repeated reminders, shifted my focus off of myself and my prayers onto the sufficiency of Christ uh, mm. and His promise to save. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm super thankful for what God has done in my life over these years. Very good. Very good. Um, okay, so you go from, from there, coming to Christ at, at a young age, to ending up on staff at Country Bible Church. Indeed. What's your role there, and how did you end up at Country Bible? Yeah, so uh, I am the senior pastor at Country Bible, mm. um, but uh, in truth, for quite a long time, uh, I serve alongside two other pastors, and I very much consider myself one of them. Mm. Uh, and so um, there's, there's so much that would not happen in and for our church family without those guys. So I'm really, really honored to be one of them. Mm, <laughs> They're great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, Country Bible is, um, yeah, so uh, it's just it's a good church. Um, like you said, just a few minutes uh, outside of Lincoln. And I think I've been there since 2013 okay. uh, is when um, the Lord uh, took us there. Um, I've been in church planting before this, uh, and learned of Country Bible from uh, a website called the Gospel Coalition. Uh, Brad, one of my associate pastors at the church, posted that opportunity there, and God was just making a transition for us at that time. And 
um, having served in different parts of the United States in church planting, um, to be to move to Country Bible was a great thing for us. When we saw the address of the church being in Bennett N.E. or near Lincoln N.E., uh, my wife and I, not knowing our U.S. geography very well, thought it was uh, New England, thought <laughs> N.E. stood for New England, thought New England was a state. Uh, and I think our confusion stems from the fact that it's got a football team. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the Patriots do pretty well. We just <laughs> thought of, hey, that'd be cool to you know, serve in the, in the Northeast. And uh, yeah, the Lord knew uh, better than our ignorance. So we're mm. very much glad to be here in Nebraska and not at all disappointed. So <laughs> Very, very good. Well, that's, that's funny how God's sovereignty works that way. I agree. And, and end up where you're supposed to be. I agree. Uh, okay, so so introduce a little bit about your church. Tell us a little bit about yeah. Country Bible. Yeah, my mind kind of drifted in that direction yeah. uh, as, we were t- as I was talking before. Um, so coming up on our 40th anniversary as a church mm-hmm. family, um, very much started um, because of a love to and a desire to ho- hold to the gospel and not drift away from it, uh, a desire to cling to the Word of God as the Word of God and not drift away from that. Um, and so... Um, with pain mixed with joy, uh, they, the folks that started that um, launched out in that direction. So, mm. like I said, it's about a 25-minute drive from my house in, here in Lincoln. Um, and uh, so it's just south of the town of Bennett. Um, as you travel down Highway 43, um, just look off to the right in a cornfield and you'll see a, a, a building sticking and there out of there. And so really glad to serve among them. Um, yeah, gospel-loving church and desiring to be faithful through the years. So mm. I'm really yeah. glad to be there. Well, I know we've definitely appreciated your partnership mm. and the partnership of Country Bible as we've done a number of joint endeavors. Yeah. Um, none the least, the you know the the Bible conference that we've done mm. where you've had the opportunity to preach, and yeah. maybe some of our listeners have have heard you or seen you maybe. at that or other things involved. But we've just really appreciated Country Bible's mm. uh, partnership over the years uh, for sure. Okay, last last but not least, um, what is a favorite personal Bible verse of yours, and why yeah. is it so important to you? Yeah, one of the one of my personal favorite Bible verses. Comes from John six thirty seven. Uh, this is the um, this is Jesus has just fed the five thousand the day before this verse takes place, and on this day um, the people the crowd comes back around looking for him, looking for free food, and uh, they even give him the idea of hey you can prove who you are by giving us more free food. <laughs> uh, so they have this great idea about manna, uh, like God. You know, like Moses gave manna in the desert, why don't you give us free food now? And Jesus basically tells them, I am the bread of life. Mm-hmm. I am the person. I am the thing God has given you. And the thing God wants you to do is to put your trust in me, believe in me. And so in John chapter 6, verse 37, <coughs> uh, Jesus declares, uh, remarkably, this ties into our topic today. Mm-hmm. Uh, he declares, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Mm. So this is a, a father's activity in giving a people to his son, and whoever comes to the son, he will not cast out. Just a little verse, just a few verses later, verse 44, he says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, mm-hmm. and I will raise him up on the last day. Um, and, and there's that, so there's that comfort of the father um, has given <laughs> redeemed sinners to his son, like he just has this tremendous plan. Um, And then the thing that was, I think, especially precious to me um, that I hope your listeners will find comforting and precious um, 
especially as I struggled with uh, fear and doubt in those early days of being saved, um, that line at the end of verse 37, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Jesus mm-hmm. has promised that um, all of us who cling to him uh, by faith, he will never push away. He will never cast out. And I just I, I had to hold on to um, black and white promises like that for mm-hmm. to teach me that God was um, trustworthy um, and that Jesus was trustworthy. But more than that, again, I didn't really doubt them. I doubted whether I did the things I needed to do and just to realize that, no, there's it's just a simple by faith and Jesus promises not to push away those who, are, who have come to, him, mm. come to him. So I'm really thankful for God's good mercy to me. And hopefully this verse will be an encouragement for your listeners. Mm. Very much so. I I know there's many that have expressed personal doubts on that on that mm, front. Uh, you're not at all alone in that, and uh, hopefully this is a good reminder of the security that's in in God. Indeed, you know, and that reminder for our listeners. Well, you're not wrong. Um, this obviously has <laughs> definite relationships to where we're going with the the doctrine of God the Indeed. Father. Uh, this personal verse. So, uh, thank you for sharing a little bit on that. Um, now, let's try and get here into our third topic for this series um, as we begin discussing the first person of the Godhead, God the Father. Uh, so, Dean, let's try to frame this up here a little bit for our listeners. What does the Bible say about mm. God the Father? Yeah. So. He is one of the three persons of the Trinity. Of course, in the Trinity, there's only one God, um, but he exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And and when we say he is the first, uh, Scripture teaches that he is the one who, as the verse I just uh, read for you indicated, s- seems to have the master plan, so to speak, and, and I hesitate to put it that way, um, but um, he's the first among these three equal beings, um, equal in essence, powers, and really everything that the scripture teaches us about God that we think of as God, um, not only is true of the Holy Spirit, true of the Son, but all the attributes are also true of the Father. Uh, indeed, um, when the writer of Hebrews tells us in those opening verses of Hebrews that the Son is the radiance of the Father, it seems as if the Father um, is that, exactly that, the, the first among equals, and the Son is the eternal radiance of the Father's glory. So has always existed with the Father, but there seems to be this the, yeah, this outshining of the Father's radiance in the person of the Son. And God himself has chosen to reveal himself to us in his word as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by doing so, one of the key things that we learn about this member of the Trinity is his relationship to Jesus, relationship to his Son. Hmm. They have on purpose chosen to disclose themselves as relating to each other as Father and Son. And yeah, so I just think that's that's, that's pretty important for me and for our listeners is that this is not a label we put on them. It's a label that that they have disclosed to us. Yeah. Uh, and so God the Father has all the attributes uh, that we would expect and come to find in the Godhead, eternity, um, omnipotence, om- all-powerful, omniscience, all-knowing, omnipresence, everywhere at once, his holiness, truth, sovereignty, benevolence. And we, we even see his benevolence in the giving to his son, the, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. Um, so uh, it's it's amazing thing to study um, and to trace 
how Scripture speaks about this member of the Trinity, God mm. the Father. Yeah, exactly, and and that's that's where I want to go next. Mm. So so where where do we get this doctrine from? Where in the Bible does this idea of God the Father come yeah. from? Yeah, uh, we see that in the Old Testament, although God related to certain individuals personally as a father figure, to some degree Abraham, to some degree Adam, uh, like the Gospels tell us in the genealogy, I think it was Luke's genealogy that indicated that, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, David to some degree, but by and large, when you get to, I think, Psalm 2-9, um, the Lord says to, to my Lord, sit at my right hand, that's Psalm 110, sorry, um, the Lord says, uh, you are my son, today I've begotten you. That's the phrase. So God promises David that he will have a an heir that he will relate to as son. And this this royal king, this royal <coughs> this royal person is going to be very special, unlike anybody else. But setting that aside for just a second, by and large. The Old Testament teaches that God related to the people of Israel as a whole, as father, not necessarily individuals, mm-hmm. but as a whole, as a nation as a whole. And and that's where a key distinction comes in the New Testament is that now we begin to pick up on the fact that um, God's fatherhood is very much targeted to um, individuals, mm. beginning with and most fundamentally with the Lord Jesus. I think of Mark Chapter 1, verse 11, we just finished a series through Mark, a country Bible. And in Mark 1, 11, Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. Um, and as he comes up out of the water, a voice tears through the heavens and declares, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Mm-hmm. Actually, he says, You are my beloved Son, <laughs> in whom I am well pleased. So this direct speech from the Father, from a voice in heaven, de- we would pick up on as God, declaring to the person who just came up out of the water, you are my beloved son. So there's a relationship there that's being um, revealed by the voice, Mm -hmm. and the relationship is father and son. You are my beloved son, uh, which is just a a tremendous thing. So um, even as we get to Mark 9 um, and the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, and Peter is in shock and awe at seeing Jesus transfixed on the mountain and, and starts to babble things. Um, <laughs> once again, uh, a voice tears into the conversation um, and says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. In mm-hmm. other words, Peter, and I say this with respect because I would have done the same thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Peter gets a bad yeah, rap, I think, uh, yeah. a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. I would either do what Peter did or something much, much worse. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so the voice interrupts Peter, it seems, and basically says, Pete, stop talking. Mm. Listen. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. You don't have to say anything. Just listen. Mm. I, you're brought up here to see his glory and to know that my relationship with him is special. It is one of father and son. And so now twice, the voice born from heaven declares this about this person, Jesus, this father-son relationship, and God has not done that in a public way for any other individual Mm. that I I remember in Scripture. Mm. Nothing like that. Uh, And so so by the end, when we get close to the cross, um, John 14, Jesus has declared to them that he's going away to the cross, 
and uh, their hearts are troubled. Um, he tells them, in my father's house are many rooms, many mansions, many dwelling places. Yeah, I'm coming, to, coming back to, I'm going to prepare a place for you, coming to get you. Mm. And, and Peter, uh, Philip says, show us a father and that would be enough. And in Mark 14, 8, um, Philip says, have you not known me, Philip? How can you say, show me the father? I and the father are one. So in other words, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Everything I do and say, I do from the father's bidding. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Not that they're the same person. They're two distinct persons. Mm. But the son perfectly represents the father, all his attributes, all his characteristics, all his intentions. The son perfectly represents his father. And so... And so, uh, and so, yeah, and, and even when we get to, um, uh, think of Mark, Matthew 6, where you all yeah. are going through um, Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, just um, this Sunday, we covered, you know, the Lord's Prayer. passage, yeah. Yeah, so exactly, perfect. exactly. Yeah, so there, Jesus, again, uh, they, they ask him, teach us to pray. And the first thing he teaches them was, when you pray, you pray, our Father who art mm. in heaven. And he... Um, again, there was that corporate idea uh, in Israel, but it is supercharged yeah. out of the lips of Jesus. This intimate relationship that I have with the Father, I am working to welcome you into. In other words, you will know, I think, after his death and resurrection, you will know an intimacy with God the Father akin to what the Son has. Mm. And so he's, he's, in, he's in inviting us to refer to this person as our Father. Mm. Uh, and uh, stunningly, you know, again, just kind of going forward in time a bit, um, this is, a, again, the, the, the night before his death. They're in the garden, um, and Mark 14, he has separated himself from his disciples by a stone's throw. And if, if we think Peter is behind the gospel of Mark, Peter's able to hear him say, Abba, Take this cup from me, mm. yet not as I will, but as you will. So the, the agony of the cross starts to dawn on him or starts, starts to come upon him, and he, and he uses a word that's not Greek, Abba, um, not Hebrew. It's that Aramaic. It's, it's a language that would have spoken at the time. Mm. And so Mark brings it into the Greek of his gospel, tr- puts it in there without translating it, um, and says... Abba Father, Jesus addressed God with this familiar term, not a, not overly familiar like Daddy, um, but a term like Papa that uh, that a person could use their whole life long, from childhood or even into their adult years, a, a term of endearment, but yet a term of respect. Hmm. Um, and so, so, um, so Abba Father, Mark fourteen thirty six, um, and then uh, you know, scriptures teach us that. The Lord has the power to take his life up again after he has died. Um, and then Scripture also teaches us that the Father raised him from the dead. We read that in Romans 4.24 or Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21, um, that the God of peace who raised from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus. So, so many connections to what the Father, who the Father is, and also what He's doing, the special relationship He has to validate the Son, this is my beloved Son, um, and also in raising Him from the dead. And then as Scripture goes on, uh, the New Testament goes on, we get folded into the picture. Mm. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, 
um, tells us that God predestined us for adoption uh, in love. Uh, and so uh, we who have clinged to Christ Jesus by faith, God has predestined not only that we are forgiven, huh, so much more than that. God <laughs> has predestined that you will be in my family. I want to adopt you as beloved sons. Yeah. And, and I love that Paul put in that he did this in love so that we would not think in any way, as, as we're tempted to think, that the love of a, f- a father for his adopted children is in, is in any way lesser or um, not loving. He predestined us in love for adoption as mm. sons. And I just think, I'm so glad Paul wrote it that way. Yeah. And, and it's stunning that we get to relate to God, not only as creator, not only as forgiver, and, and, and he's not just somebody who's putting up with us, but he predestined to have us in his family, knowing that we were twisted and sinful from the very mm. beginning, like knowing that he predestined that we'd be folded into his family in love and that he wants to relate mm. to us as father. And I just, it's hard to get over that. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I can't help but, you know, you've already mentioned, you know, John. Yeah. I can't help with that. You know, in my father's house, there are many rooms. That, yes. That familial, this is the father's house and yep. Jesus is the door that is inviting us yes. into that adopted familial relationship yes. that we see culminated in Revelation. Yes. Obviously, but I, that picture is so is so powerful. I agree. In my opinion. And I've got a place for you there. Like yeah. Preparing a place for you there in my father's house. And I just think... Exactly, to be folded yeah. into this. There, there is no, um, there's nothing we're missing <laughs> out here yeah. that will not be exponentially, yeah. uh, just be dwarfed by everything we'll experience there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, of that, uh, just if I may, um, Colossians 1.13 talks about how God transferred us from the realm of darkness or the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, the domain of darkness yeah. into the kingdom of his beloved son. First um, Peter chapter one verse three talks about how God the Father gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, um, and then Revelation twenty two four uh, that one day we will our dwelling place as you said will be forever with God and we shall see His faith face. So what Moses could not experience on Mount, on Mount Sinai hmm. in Exodus, no one can see my face and live. We get to experience for all eternity. We will see his face. And yeah, and so it will be our everlasting joy, and we will never want to be parted mm. from him. Mm. Amen. Well, obviously, we could spend the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the episode of the podcast just dwelling and meditating on this incredible <laughs> reality of God as Father, God the Father, mm. that aspect of the Trinity and the person. Um, but we also need to talk a little bit here. Uh, yeah. we, got, we got to move on a little bit to kind of de- the, what's the debatable here? Are there yeah. is there any area where Christian orthodoxy has disagreed on yeah. this doctrine of God the Father in the past? Yeah, I, I, well, disagree is probably the the, the, the narrowing word mm. there. Um, so I think Bible believing Christians could not agree that God has revealed Himself as Father. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, they may have disagreements about the Son in the past of church history, even the Holy Spirit in the mm. past of church history. Mm. But Bible-believing Christians cannot deny that God has at least revealed himself as Father. Um, but I think where the, the division might still last among us today would be in the extent of his sovereignty when it relates to 
human free will? Like, mm. how does all that work together? How do the things that I've mentioned uh, from John, you know, all the Father gives me will come to me. Yeah. Um, the Father draws, no one can come, and um, predestined for adoption. Like, how does that relate? Every Bible-believing Christian believes it's true. We yeah. just don't understand. <laughs> we differ on how we explain it, yeah. or, or even that we try to explain it. Um, so, yeah, without getting too much into that, that would be one area. Um, and then I think, um, and maybe we'll talk about this a little later, but I think another area that I would caution myself and other Bible-believing Christians about is to underestimate the fact that God has revealed himself as Father mm. and Father for us. Mm. And so, yeah, maybe I'll talk about that later. But I think maybe not disagreement, but uh, disinterest mm. can lead to some really big problems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, obviously, there's then what, what you're speaking of. You know, there's the, there's a sovereignty dialogue as yeah. far as you know. And, and listeners, we're gonna we're gonna cover specifically the doctrine of election, and we're gonna talk mm-hmm. a little bit about some of that and where that rub is, mm-hmm. and where, where there's some room for disagreement on how that works itself out. Not so much whether or not it's the case, yeah. but how that works itself out. Um, but yeah, let's let's move right into where you're talking about because what you're mm-hmm. what you're speaking to here is a, is a danger. It's a it's a potential heresy mm-hmm. related to the God the Father. So where are the where are the pitfalls that yeah. we need to be mindful of in this doctrine? Yeah, the the one pitfall is to erase or maybe at best minimize the distinction between the church, the, 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 the invisible church, you call it, the truly saved throughout the world, throughout time, fail to distinguish those people from the general humanity that God has made. Hmm. So um, there was an error in um, 18, 1900s um, that sp- talked about what, talked about the universal fatherhood of God. So the universal fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. And so that's what um, liberal modernists used to cling to teach um, (coughs) back in those years. Mm. Um, And I think the idea stems from um, Acts 17, in which um, Paul is speaking to uh, the folks on the Areopagus in Athens, um, and he's talking, explaining to them the one true God, one that they worship in ignorance. He's going to declare it to them. And he's basically saying that um, God has sovereignly determined the places of people to live and have their boundaries and those kind of things. But then he says in verse 29, being then, that God, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. And that little phrase at the beginning, being then God's offspring, mm. in which he gets from a, one of their poets, just a quote from one of their poets. And I think he's trying to say that since you and I are complex creatures and able to think, move, have, have existence, we should not think that God is like stone or gold um, or, or, or silver, or anything formed by the art and imagination of man. We are his offspring. He is not ours. Mm. We didn't craft him in our image. Um, he made us in his. Um, he is not dead and lifeless. He is living and active and, and yeah, purposeful. So the, the tables are completely flipped. Um, he is not, we are not his source. We didn't craft this God in a silversmith. Um, 
or 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 from from what came out of a gold mine. No, he he made us, mm-hmm. uh, and so Paul's saying there. And I think uh, the liberal theologians of old picked upon that offspringness of all mankind, and and erased, if not severely minimized, mm. the difference between general humanity that's in rebellion to God, um, that he still loves, John 3.16, yeah. and yet at the yeah. same time, that those that he's folded into his family by grace, this adoption in Christ Jesus, mm. um, which is, yeah, that is a, that's a, a world of difference that yeah. could be erased. Yeah. Um, so that's one. And I think the other, just a little bit more quickly, would be, Again, if we minimize or erase the fact that God revealed himself as father, um, feminist theologians tend to say, no, we more think that that's a label the writers of Scripture have put on God, um, helping to try to help us understand the relationship between the father and the son or between the uh, God and his people. Um, and so we could substitute any other kind of gender expression. It could mm. be the motherhood of God or the um, the parenthood of God. Um, and so to minimize the fact that he chose the masculine form of parenting as his self-designation um, leads to a, a lot of bad theology. Um, but if I may, just a word of caution uh, for those of us who are Bible-believing Christians tend to, we may tend to want to throw some stones here. Uh, a caution for us would be that... Um, we tend to equate certain attributes of God with uh, a more feminine uh, orientation. Mm. And we need to be really careful with that because a really bad understanding of what it means to be masculine has led us as evangelical Christians in several decades um, mm. to teach, do, and model uh, very, very bad things for our children and our sons. Mm. Um, and when you think of the fruit that the Holy Spirit brings into the life of a believer, would it not be fruit that would want to make us more Christ-like in every way? And if Christ is the exact radiance of his Father, more like the Father in every way. And when you think of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, we often equate them with more feminine aspects, which is a terrible mistake. Mm. God is revealing himself through the fruits of the Holy Spirit as loving, joyful, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all these characteristics that we we never say it, <laughs> just more just, just more in our attitude equate with just a more motherly aspect of things. Yeah. And I think that's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. Um, number one, we should define our terms better than yeah. we do. Um, but number two, we should not um, so quickly dismiss the love of a father. Hmm. Or the fact that he could be joyful or at peace. Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. How many of, of our listeners may wish that we had a father who was at peace. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it causes us to both misunderstand what God God is saying when he says God the Father and also yeah. misunderstand the way fathers are supposed to function Agreed. in modeling after Agreed. The, the ultimate father. Agreed. In God the Father. Very good. Very good. Well, you're already getting here a little bit into where we mm. want to go next because uh, you're talking a little bit about things we need to keep in mind yeah. as we yeah. try to apply this doctrine to our lives. So as, as we try to understand mm. this but also recognize the significance to, of it to the way we live our lives, mm. what would your encouragement be for our listeners? How do we apply this doctrine to the way we live? Yeah. So let's start where, where we just ended. Yeah. Number one, let's take a fresh look at the fruits of the Holy Spirit. 
Um, and again, it's fruit is not something that we necessarily have to drudge up, but mm. as we walk, or as Paul said, keep in step with the Spirit, um, He is bringing these things out in our lives. Fruit can't help but grow. So, um, Lord, be merciful. Help more fruit to grow <laughs> yeah. in our lives. Yeah, uh, we sure. want to be more like Him. Um, and so, and and yeah, and don't be shy about those things. But yeah, like so. Relook at the fruit of the Holy Spirit and reappreciate it for what it is mm. uh, for both men, women, boys, and girls. Um, yeah, and so, and then number two, and I think maybe this will be where um, one I would camp on. Um, J.I. Packer, I thought, made a great point in his book Knowing God. He talks about how justification, being forgiven by God, or maybe a little bit more specifically than just forgiveness, justification would be declared right or declared righteous in God's sight, declared just in the eyes of God. I think of Romans 3 um, in that regard. Um, So he is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Packer mentions justification is the first or even the chief blessing that comes to the believer, but that adoption is the highest blessing Hmm. that comes to the believer. Justification is the chief or the first, but adoption is the highest. Can we really think of anything better than being folded into God's family and for him to embrace us, as it were, as his own dear sons? Like it Hmm. just, there is no higher blessing than the believer can imagine than to call God his father along with the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. So uh, Packer puts it, it this way. Um, he says there's, there's six things that the believer should say to himself every day. Uh, first, I am a child of God. And honestly, this goes back to what we said earlier, the, the tendency to not take God seriously mm. when he speaks this way, because whether especially guys, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, our feelings or our self-perceptions or our remaining guilty feelings, even though we don't have any legal guilt, our guilty feelings or just what have you, um, keeps us at arm's length from God Mm. or or even just some bitterness that things have not gone the way we wish they would. Mm. But Packer says the theology that we are taught in the New Testament, we should rehearse every day. Phrase number one, I am a child of God. Phrase number two, God is my father. Number three, heaven is my home. I think without that one, we become, um, we begin to expect too much out of these years mm. and this life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if anyone's seen me face to face, like you'll know that I'm Jamaican and I've got some mixed ethnicity mm. in me. And I... I would say that one of the things that has brought me some clarity and a lot of peace in like the last 18 months, um, the different things our nation has faced, is heaven is my home. I am not looking for perfect anything here, Uh, anything that the people around me are fighting for. And as I told my dear church family Sunday, we're the only ones who've been born again into this living hope. We're the, we need to share this news with everyone mm. because they're putting their hope in the wrong thing. Yep. They're hoping for a justice system or a political campaign or um, 
being the flavor of the month to to heal that the thing that sin has warped and broken and only through Christ Jesus is that healed and the only hope we have is that heaven is our home. Mm. So number four, every day I am one day nearer. Number five, my Savior is my brother. That's Mm. what I mentioned before. And then number six, every Christian is my brother too. And how I wish that believers who disagree, especially on how political or social issues relate to Scripture, I wish they would understand that we are letting an important but secondary thing divide the family of God. Mm. And we ought not to. Um, How often has it taken us time for us, for some truths to sink in that others knew quite well? So my point is, let us give each other lots of room to grow, to make mistakes, to learn, and to and to realize, oh, that's what Scripture says, and to get on board with that. Instead, we keep pushing each other to arm's length when right now brothers and sisters need us more now than ever. Now is the time for us to reflect the grace that has been shown to mm. us. <laughs> and stamp down the things that seek to divide us without being silent Mm. on them, but understand that our quote-unquote opponent, the person across from us that disagrees, may need time to let those truths sink in Mm. or to let God show them himself the validity of what you're referring to Mm. or let God show you that you're not right. Mm. you're, You're wrong about this and you think you're right. Like a lot of humility these six things would go a long way, not to, not to solve everything, but to help us walk together as we discover what Scripture says about various topics. So, again, I am a child of God. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. Every day I'm one day nearer. My Savior is my brother. And every Christian is my brother, too. Mm. Amen. That is, that is a fabulous reminder uh, for us from this, I can't I can't reiterate that enough. It is it is really good, listeners. I, I do hope it's it's been an encouragement to you, and I, I do hope Dean's time here has been helpful to you. I, I know I've been encouraged by it. Uh, let me let me take a moment here and just rehearse a little bit of of what he said to remind us of some of what was going on here. Uh, first of all, remember that God discloses himself, God the Father, that person of the Trinity discloses himself as God the Father, specifically in his self-revelation in Scripture, the first person of the Trinity. Um, In every way, God is sharing those traits, but having some initiatory or catalyzing effect on the Trinity. It's an interesting thing that you're talking about. Also, we see this all the way through Scripture, though obviously God's fatherhood is initiated in the Old Testament with the people of Israel found in the person of Christ, and then as a gift, God's Mm. fatherhood in a lot of ways granted to us through Christ in the New Testament. Um, There's not a whole lot of disagreement within this doctrine uh, to keep in mind, uh, though obviously how God's sovereignty plays itself out is one that we'll find ourselves probably disagreeing for years to come on (laughs) within the church. Um, But do be watchful of those those two errors that Dean talked about as far as kind of the generic fatherhood of God, that God is the father in the same way uh, to everyone that's ever been born on the earth uh, is one to be be mindful of. Um, The other would be that that metaphor of father, you know, and then there's these two 
two errors to to apply our understanding of father, good, bad, or otherwise, to God Indeed. to misunderstand, and either to blow that into something that we're incorrectly understanding about masculinity, mm-hmm. or to minimize that into some generic reality about God's parenthood. Yeah. Uh, to use that, some things to keep in mind. Any any closing thoughts or final thoughts for our listeners on this subject, Dean? As we wrap up. Uh, um, just maybe a quote from Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen. I don't, I don't know why, but this is another passage that comes just a verse comes to mind to often. Paul closing his letter there says, "The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all." And so, just as we think of the Trinity, it's it, it's just it's precious to me that grace of Christ, fellowship of the Spirit, but the love of God and. Again, it's almost by dropping out the word Father, he's almost highlighting it mm. in a sense. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, the love of God for us, I think, is, is a precious thing. And he says, may it be with you all, as if it'll go with you even when he can't. So that would be my wish for your listeners or um, prayer for your listeners, is that they would walk in the love of God mm. and the fellowship of the Spirit and the grace of Christ. Thanks for taking time to join us for Midweek in the Word. To hear previous podcast episodes, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Faith Bible Lincoln or tweet us at FBC Lincoln. And now we leave you with these encouraging words from Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith.